So, um, like Mackenzie said this morning, we have our Quest kids in here. And what you guys don't know is that our last prayer, we also have a Quest kids in here. And we were singing Waymaker. And all of them were screaming at the top of their lungs like they were leading us. And during that time, these two beauty owls on my left and my right, I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to sing to me, but not yet. So I asked them to see them if I could just speak something over them. So I'm going to talk to you guys, not them. But I'm going to let them listen because I know your parents are out there. So, Holy Spirit has a place. I'm inviting you to worship both of you. And I know that you're like, feel like your parents are too young. Or you don't even know how they look like. But that's where we're going to come in. But you're both going to be voices that are going to break chains. You're going to break chains in your generation, on this beach. And it's going to be greater than anything that you guys can even ask or imagine. So I want to pray over you guys. That's okay. Oh, yeah. 
swept out by a river current, and I was way out of earshot, and I could hear them telling me to come back in, but I couldn't, and so I screamed help at the top of my lungs, and I feel like just God was able to carry that message out to them.
absolutely amazing. Guys, it's so good to be with you today, all the way from the Buckeye State. I'm a little surprised at how uh, that plays out here. You know, I said, oh, wait, in the first service, some people said, I up. I know. So it's kind of weird. Man, what a great start today, don't you agree? Yeah. It's a great, great start today, guys. Thanks for all that you've done. I am, like, so impressed with you. I love that you're on the front row. Here in just a little bit, you're going to love that you're on the front row, too. Find out why in just a minute. I'm also glad that this is second service. Because <clears throat> I was told by Pastor Stephen uh, in the first service, like, man, you got, you got to stay on, on point, you got to stay on time. And uh, between services, he came to me in the office, he said, like, take your, just go as long as you want to go today. Second service. <laughs> so, all well, I'm like, just hang out. But I signed up for it. I promise not to go more than two hours, so you're safe. <laughs> all right, open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to jump right in today. God is doing so much in the earth. He is on the move. God is still God. He's still God. You know, we, we face a lot of challenges in our culture today. We face a lot of challenges around the world. But God has never stopped being God. He's God. And if we as His people can position ourselves to operate in His power, in a greater and greater way, I believe that a lot of the things that we're facing as society and as humanity today can be riveted, can be changed, can be transformed. But God needs the cooperation of His people. Saving the world is not something that God is going to do on His own. Saving the people is not something He's going to do on His own. He's already done all He's going to do. God has already done everything He's going to do to save mankind. Now it's up to us. And it's not up to us to operate our own might and power, but it's up to us to cooperate with His might and power. And when we cooperate with who God is, when we make ourselves available to Him, we become unstoppable. Take a friend and say, we're unstoppable. And I want to show you how to make that happen. Uh, we're on a mission. So we, we launched Quest in 2001. I, my wife Kathy and I did. By the way, this is our family thing. Show them the real picture, guys. Go right to just a real picture. This is my family here. That's my wife Kathy. She's actually speaking back one day in our home church. Those are our three kids uh, from left to right Max, Grant, and Matt, and Allie on the right. All three of them uh, have been a part of Quest their whole life, it was since the third grade. Grant was the very first total nine-year Quest student. He was in Quest from third grade to twelfth grade. Uh, Allie is in; she'll be a uh, junior this year, so she's coming up on the nine years of Quest. And then Max goes into seventh grade this coming year. He's been in Quest since the third grade as well. They're all great leaders, involved in the church, heavily involved. Allie is passionate about planting Quest around the world. She has heart for missions. And her goal is to lead Quest Global and be a part of what God is doing in the earth with, through Quest in the next generation. And I just wanted to just give you a quick update on this. I'm so thankful for this that, you know, in 2001, when we launched this movement by simply engaging the students that were in our ministry starting in the third grade in the work of ministry on a weekly basis. Uh, we engaged them in every aspect of the ministry. We taught them, trained them, brought them up. We traveled with us nationally doing shows for their peers, leading their peers to Christ and uh, to salvation. And uh, that's how things launched. And we knew immediately 
This was what the body of Christ needs, is to take things that were in the next generation. And so we have the opportunity to begin uh, talking to other churches about quests, and it took a long time to really convince people that discipleship of the next generation is where it's at. That's what's going to perpetuate the church and cause the church to be stronger than ever. You know, getting kids on stage to help me worship and to create the door and set up the speaking and uh, all the things that can be done in the ministry. And today I'm excited to tell you that this coming fall we'll get 20 plus churches here in the U.S. that are part of the Quest Network now. And then just in a couple of weeks, actually next Sunday, Kathy and I will be on a flight to Beirut, Lebanon, and then to Manchester, UK, launch Quest there in Lebanon in the UK. And this coming September, I'll be going to Brazil to work with a network of churches there to get Quest launched in Brazil. So I want to say to you guys, you are part of the global movement of God. You are part of what God is doing in this earth today, and it goes beyond just the LDS. What you're doing here in your hometown, in your home church, is absolutely powerful that I want you to know that you're connected to kids in the other, other countries that are doing exactly what you do. Some of them have really cool dialects, too. Like they talk like English. It's really awesome. You know, it's like, this is great. They get to be able to meet them. All over the earth, God's doing a great and powerful thing in the next generation. But there is an assignment that's on the rest of us to ensure that faith does not fade in the next generations. I have a book that's coming out pretty soon. It's going to launch here in the next couple of months. I'd love to tell you about it real quickly. You can put it up on the screen there. It's called Slow Fade. And it's simply titled What the Whole Church Must Do About the Next Generation's Drift from God. I'm going to share some statistics with you from this book about where we are, what the reality is of faith. We look around our world today and we recognize what's happening in culture, what's happening even in church culture. We see a direct connection between our reality and the health of the home. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Home is where it happens. Home is God's design. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in chapter 3 through 5, we see God's people have been delivered from Egypt. If you've been in church for any length of time, you probably know the story well. If you're new to, to church and new to following Christ, I highly recommend you go read the story of the Exodus. Probably somewhere along the way in your journey, just to being alive, you've probably heard about the Exodus of God's people out of Egypt and to the promised land. Uh, if you haven't read the, read the Bible, you probably saw it in the Disney movie, Prince of Egypt. It's all about that. God's people are being delivered from, from uh, captivity into the promise of God given them, verse, chapter 3 through 5. In chapter 6, by the time we reach chapter 6, they traverse across the desert. They're now standing on the border, getting ready to cross into the promised land. Literally, toes on the earth. About to go into the promised land. They had that crossover to war against uh, all the enemies there that were trying to keep them, them out of that place. Jericho had not yet happened, all those things. They were about to go do all that. And Moses, who's not going to get to go into the promised land, has a final assignment for them. And one of the final speeches that he gives to God's people as their leader, we come up on Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want you to pay really close attention. What he's saying to them here, because I believe this is what the Spirit of God is saying to his believers, to his followers today in this service, especially to moms and dads and parents and the homes. 
Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's what Moses says. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them and the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with the Lord honey, just as the Lord, God of our ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Now, at this point, up to verse 6, Moses has focused pretty solely on the individual responsibility of those that were listening. Mostly adults, parents, grandparents, caregivers. He's speaking directly to them, and he's saying to them, you make sure that for you, you are committed. You are like the Lord and God with all their hearts. So I'd love for us to read this together, verse 5. We're going to make this personal rather than saying, and you must, and say, and I must. We're going to read this together. Verse 5. Ready? Read. And I must love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Read it again. And I must love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Mom, Dad, I want to encourage you when you get up in the morning, you begin your day with this. And I must love the Lord my God. All my heart. All my soul. All my strength. As we lead our homes, as we lead our families, as we lead our marriages, as we lead our businesses, as we lead the things that we're involved in day after day, this is the perspective from which we lead them. And I must love the Lord my God. With all my heart. All my soul. All my strength. This is the foundation of ensuring that faith does not fade in the next generation. Notice that Moses does not say, you're going to have to build synagogues. You're going to have to build churches. You're going to have to infiltrate society. Of course, all of those things must happen. But this is not the instruction he gives them to make sure that faith does not fade in their children. The instruction he gives them is, first, you make sure that you are committed wholeheartedly to the ways, the work, and the work of God. That you are committed, verse 6, wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. The first question we have to ask as parents, caregivers, grandparents, foster parents, is am I committed wholeheartedly to the ways, the work, and the work of God? Am I all in? And Moses lays this foundation. Here's how it's going to work. And then he turns his attention. To an assignment beginning in verse 7. He says, Now take that reality. Take your everyday saturation in the ways of God. Take your everyday commitment to who God says you are. Take your everyday commitment to the assignment and the call of God on your life. Take your everyday commitment to living your life with the view of who God is and take everything that you put your hand to and say, God, I'm a believer before I am anything else. 
Before I'm a husband, I'm a believer. Before I'm a wife, I'm a believer. Before I'm a business person, I'm a believer. I'm not a business owner that's told, by the way, a Christian, I am a Christian that owns a business that has been perpetuating the kingdom of God. He says, take that perspective of you living your life from that view, verse 7, and repeat it again and again to your children. Now he moves us into the realm of how we're going to make sure that these guys live on a whole level than even we did. How are we going to do it? Verse 7. You're repeating again and again and again. How many of you grew up going to school? Anybody going to school when you were a kid? Anybody? Anybody? I don't know all the How many of you took math more than one day in school? Anybody study math for more than one day? When you do that, because repetition is key in education. If you're going to learn something, you're going to get strong at heart, you're going to make a habit, you're going to make a routine, you've got to do it again and again and again. Repetition is absolutely key. It is key to learning something, having it become an integral part of who we are. Repetition. We've got to do it again and again and again. Talk with my friend. Here on the front row, Caleb. A lot of you probably know who Caleb is. And Caleb and I, for the past uh, day or so, have been talking about golf. Caleb loves to golf. Whether you guys know that or not. And golf is one of those sports that you don't go out the first time and win tournaments. The first time you ever grab a club, you don't go out and win a tournament the first time you grab a club. You got to go to the driving range and you got to swing and swing and swing and swing and swing again. And when you're sick of swinging, you got to swing again. And you got to make adjustments and you got to learn and you got to grow and you got to swing and swing. Repetition is key to getting better and better and better and better. I recently went to the Memorial Tournament in our hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Jack Nicholas is. Uh, not Jack Nicholas. Yeah, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas. This tournament, and we were watching the pros play, and they played their round of golf. And guess what they did after they played their round of golf? They went to the driving range, and they spent another two hours in the driving range practicing their game. They just played 18 holes of golf. They woke up early in the morning, they went to the driving range, and they just spent hours there. And then they went out and played their round, and then they got over their round, they went back. And then they played more out of the driving range, working on the game. What does it look like when God's people live their life in this way? I wake up and I get in the Word. And all day throughout the day, I'm in the Word. And I'm in the ways. And I'm in the Word of God. And when I come out of the team, I'm tired of sitting down. I want to look back and open my Word. Why? Because I'm serious about repeating this again and again and again. So the faith does not fade in the next generation. Saturation. Beginning of the verse 7, the second half, then he gives us eight practices, eight principles, practices, and situations in which we are to repeat these things again and again. And these become, I believe, measures for us, the ways that we can measure as moms and dads, grandparents, grandparents, caregivers, whether or not we are doing what Moses. Highly recommended that we do what I believe the Spirit of God is calling us back to in our world today. Verse 7. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're heading up, tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead 
as your mind. Grant them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so he gives us eight scenarios in which we are to repeat these laws again and again and again and again. To repeat the word, the work and the ways of God again and again and again to our children. When we're, when we're home, when we're on the road, we're going to bed, we're getting about eight different ways. Here's our theme for the day. If you think it goes right to town, home is where it happens. Home is where it happens. Home is God's design. Before the church ever existed, home existed. Home, when it's functioning in the way God designed it to function, is the most powerful influential force on the face of the earth. There is no competition. Every one of us has been impacted by our home. Whether your home was healthy, whole from your perspective, or you felt like your home was entirely dysfunctional, every one of us are a byproduct of that experience in the home. How we think, our values, how we view the world, how we interact with others, all sprung out of our home experience. And whether we're leaving a home today or just contributing to a home, participating in a home, thinking about a home, all of those are impacted. By home, because home is where it happens. And home is God's design. I also believe for the vast majority of the crises that we face in our nation and in the world today, the home is the answer. The home is the remedy. The home is the solution. So I say it this way. Heal the home, heal the world. You want to see the world change? Become what it was meant to be under God's hand. Put out the way the sight of your own This is where belongs to God. He created it. We're not humans to discover God. We were created by Him. We are His people. We're not beneath. We're above. We're not the tail. We're the head. As Christ's followers, we are to dominate in this earth. Our businesses are the ones that should be setting the pace. Our innovations and inventions are the ones that should be changing mankind. Why? Because we have the spirit of God inside of us, but then we've been told a lie for so long that we are the underdog, that we are the people to sit down and shut up, no, it's time to rise up. And declare that this is God's earth, this is his world, and I am his person. And so when we talk about healing the world, I'm talking about a home that is seeped in this knowledge, seeped in the word and the works and ways of God, saturated in that, that is healing to the world, all to God's design. So we take this principles out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we create what we call the decent model. So something that we're believed to see really catch fire with our quest churches and our quest families is the decent model as we lead to really supporting the home and the parenting and raising a strong next generation. Because we are passionate about restoring the power of the home. The home is powerful. The home is already powerful. But there's a restoration that has to, to take place. So today I'm going to encourage you to be your own journey restoring the power of your home. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see parents' power. We want to see children and grandchildren thrive, anchored in the word of the works and the ways of God. And so Moses mentions these eight practices to make sure that those standards get passed down to the next generation. He doesn't say it'll be easy. 
But he doesn't say it will be essential. And he says, how are we going to do it? We're going to repeatedly talk about the Word, the work, and the ways of God when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, everything you put your hand to do, every thought on your forehead centered on the things of God. You're going to put it on the doorposts in your home. You're going to have to, it identifies and determines the culture of your home and you put it on the gate. Everything that we possess belongs to God. Available to Him at His full disposal. We are all in Deuteronomy, the D6 model. These eight things. Now here's the reality. Is that the D6 model, what's really cool about the D6 model, is that the laws inside that model are automatic. In other words, you don't have to work to make them work. They work whether we work or not. The question is, what are we going to put in the model? That's the only question. The D6 laws are automatic because we're talking about something. When we're at home, we're talking about something when we're on the road. We're talking about something when we get up. We're talking about something when we go to bed. We're putting our hand to do something. Our mind is on something. There's already something that defines the culture of our home. There's already something that's demanding the resources that we have in our position. So these balls are out after already working. And here's what I believe that we see is that Moses says, whatever we put in the eight, we perpetuate. Whatever we put in those eight laws, we perpetuate. Whatever we're talking about on the road, whatever we're talking about at home, whatever we're talking about when we get up, whatever we're talking about when we're going to bed, whatever we make the culture of our home, whatever we decide to use our resources to accomplish, whatever we put our hand to do, whatever our mind is on is what gets perpetuated in our family. We perpetuate whatever we put in the eight. So the question isn't whether or not we're doing the eight. We're doing the eight. The decent model is not something new. It's just a new way of doing something we've always done. How many of you have conversations in your car? She's already doing the decent model. How many of you have conversations at home? You're already doing the decent model. How many of you talk about stuff when you get up in the morning? You already knew the D6 model. How many call yourself when you're going to bed? How many put your hand to do something? Anybody have something on your mind? Anybody have a culture in your home? What's the culture in your home? What do you think your things are available to? Your stuff is available to you. Your time, your talent, your treasure. What is it available to? Available to something. We already are doing the decent talk. The question is not, are we doing the decent talk? The question is, what are we putting in the decent talk? What's in those conversations? Is it just politics, sports, education, challenges, issues, dreams, desires? Or are we talking about the Word of God? The Word of God. The ways of God. When our children hit a crisis and they don't know what to do, what's our response? Do we just say, Google it? Or do we just say, Baby, ask the Holy Spirit to help you? What's the Word of God say about that? 
When we when feel the symptom in our body, do we just call, call our friend and say, have you ever had this before? What's going on? What's going on? Or do we lean to the Spirit of God to say, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing over my body. And we speak the word of God. I don't think we should call a friend. I don't think we should just Google. I'm thankful for Google. But Google is not God. I'm thankful for sports. But the sports are not God. I'm thankful for education. But education will never outdo the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody help me out today. What are you saturating your life with? What are you putting in your decent talk? What are you talking about? And this becomes an incredible opportunity for us to evaluate our atmosphere. And what Moses was saying, I cannot make this point, and I cannot emphasize enough. What Moses was saying is, listen, when you go into this, this promised land, it's not marauding armies that you have to fear. It's not rogue governments that you have to fear. It's not whether or not the land will produce for you that you have to fear. None of those things are an existential threat to your faith. But this one thing is, if you forget God. He said, beware that when you go into this promised land, you do not forget God. And then he said, talk about it. Every day, all day. Can you imagine what it would be like every time Every day, we got up. First thing we're talking about the ways to work the word of And when we got out of the car to go to school, we're talking about the ways to work the word of And when we drive to soccer, we're talking about the ways to work the word of God. Drive home from soccer, we're talking about the ways to work the word of God. Get back in the car to go to the grocery store, the ways to work the word of God. We get back home, the ways to work the word of God. Get ready for bed, the ways to work the word of God. Get back out of bed, get a snack, the ways to work the word of God. That's all just Tuesday. Every day, saturated in those things. I wonder if it would change society. I wonder if some of the challenges that we face, we begin to feel the wisdom of the Holy Spirit hiding. I wonder what would happen inside our home. I wonder how much more powerful the church might operate if we begin to saturate our lives in a greater way. Is you already talking about school? You're already talking about sports? You're already talking about TikTok? We're already talking about work. We're already talking about vacation. We're already talking about politics. Come on, let's bring it now. They don't want to talk about these things. Come on. If you just consider the ratio of how much of your time and thought life those conversations dominate versus what God says about who you are, what He says about the future, what He says about your children. But he has it for the side of you just just simply said that to be honest and go. What am I saturating my life with? I think we quickly recognize that there's room for us to grow in this. I believe with all my heart this is what God is asking of this generation of parents, of homes, and of children. I want to show you a quick example of this tonight, sort of bring this to a close. Um, I want you to think about this idea of perpetuating faith. How can I ask a question, teacher? You guys weren't in the practice school. I would have worn that, but it would fit me. So I want you to think about just being a believer, being in a godly home, 
and how, you know, as a pastor, I get to watch from a certain perspective the journey and trajectory of a lot of believers and think how they would go after it. And often what I see is a situation in which uh, a lot of believers are just sort of uh, coming to church once a week, maybe, and they'll sort of just dip into the Word of God just a little bit, just kind of dip into it. You know, we'll come on Sunday and we'll, man, I, I feel a little dry. I, I need a little something. So we'll come and we'll just sort of dip into just a little bit of worship. We'll sing a couple songs and maybe take a note or two and try not to drift in and out during the long-winded message from the guest speaker from Ohio that's just like, you know, we're just sort of dipping in. And, and then we get up on Monday and, you know, if you look at that, if you look at that shirt, it's, you have to look really close to even tell there's anything there. And that's how it is with the church today in a lot of ways is the world has to look really hard to see, is there anything given there? Is there anything worth there? And we get back out during the week and we get into the whirlwind of life and what happens? We just get all dried out again. By the time the weekend hits, we're like, oh dear God, I need me some church. I'm dry as a bone. Anybody ever felt spiritually dry? Just dry as a bone. Life has been hard. It's been a whirlwind. been a lot happening and all those things get us dried out. And so what do we do? We come back in on a Sunday. Woo, praise God, Pastor Stephen, I need me a little bit of a dip. And so we dip in a little bit more. And, you know, it's, again, it's just like, is it there? Is it not there? I'm not sure. We get back out into, into life, get in the whirlwind, run into a crisis with a friend. And you're like, oh, I wish I had something to give you, but I'm dry myself. I don't really have anything to share. So we're like, oh, I gotta, gotta get back in. And Sunday, we, we dip in again. We, and we go through this pattern of just sort of on the surface, keeping God at arm's length on the surface. And God's just sort of a part of everything else that we do. You know, there's work and there's family. And there's vacation. We gotta solve problems. Gotta do the bills. And oh, by the way, yeah, there's also God. It was never meant to be like that for us. It was meant to be all chips in on God. All in. He's at the center of everything that we do. And that's what Moses is saying here. Guys, listen, if you don't make this adjustment, it won't be long. It'll be two generations and nobody will even know that there is a God. Because we just, we're dipping. But what Moses is saying is you got to immerse yourself in the things of God. Otherwise, life just dries you out. You've got to immerse yourself in the things of God. Jesus said it this way, be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he was not talking about a ritual. He was not giving us instruction in the church on how to baptize people. He was saying, no, baptize, immerse yourself in the name of God. In other words, say, my home will be a home of God. My life is the, is the life of God. I'm steeped in the name of God. You can't look at me and not know I'm in pursuit of God because I'm, I'm, I'm baptized in his name. I'm immersed in his name, in the name of the Father and the Son. Jesus, I'm immersed in the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name. That's above sickness and disease and poverty and depression and anxiety and hopelessness. The name, but you've got to be saturated in the name of Jesus. Baptized. You can't just dip in and dip out and expect that name to put power in your life. You've got to immerse yourself in it, fully immersed. And the Holy Spirit. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm immersed in the Holy Spirit. I'm immersed in the gift of the Spirit. I'm immersed in his wisdom. I'm immersed in what he needs for me, what's for me, how he leads me, guides me. He guides me into all truth and shows me things to come. What an advantage I have as a child of God. But if I'm just dipping, life's drying me out. And I have to believe that the Outer Banks does not need another dried up old church. I have to believe that you guys don't want to live a dried up old life. Am I right? Do your friends need a dried up old church that has no answers? Nothing to give? Nothing to get on you? You get, you get around, it's like, you don't want people to come to, to, to Coastal Family and walk away going, well, I got nothing out of that. No, you want to be a church that is what? Immersed in the word and the ways and the work of God. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Because when we immerse ourselves and we immerse our homes and we immerse our children, we guarantee that it's going to get on the next generation. We guarantee that it's going to get out there on the outer banks. We guarantee that when you need a little bit of anointing, it's going to be there. We guarantee that when you need answers, we're not going to be all dried up. We're going to be full of life. You can't get around somebody from Coastal Family and not get the Spirit of God on you. You can't get around a quest hit and not feel the Spirit and anointing. Why? Because they're immersed in the things of God, the ways of God, and the work of God. Immersed. You can't. You come over to my house. You come over to my house. Get ready. Because we're going to feel the Spirit of God up in here. Immersed. Somebody say immersed. That doesn't happen. You're just kind of dipping in and dipping out. I just going to dip in and dip out. I'll go to church this way. I'm going to dip in and dip out. I'm going to dip in and dip out of the Word. No, dip it in and dip it out. We don't change generations dipping. We change generations diving. We've got to dive into the word. We've got to make it the centerpiece of all that we are. Yeah. See, my, listen, 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 listen. Listen. I, I want you to see this. When, when I ask these guys, do you want a little bit more? What'd they say? And this is, this is, this is a picture church. All of us adults have grown up and got dried out. We're like, I like my dry life. Don't get that stuff on me. I like my dry life. If I, if I said to you adults, how many of you want some more? You'd be like, come on, man. I'm wearing my best shirt. I'm wearing hard for this shirt. These guys don't care about no shirt. And we see the same thing in the next generation where it concerns the spirit of God. Once they get a taste of what it means to be in the presence of God, they want more of it. Come on. They want to feel more and more. They want to be in the Lord. You guys ready? Here we go. You ready? Here we go. Come on. I can do better than that. Hang on. I got to do better. There we go. How's that? Well, I can do better than that. How many want more of God? Anybody want more of God? Who needs more of God in your home? Who needs more of God in your business? Who needs more of God in your family? So I want to encourage you. 
You may be believing for children today. You may be in a situation where you're like, God, I'm just praying. Save my kids. Bring them back. Bring them out of that situation. I want to encourage you. Don't just stand back and say, well, if God chooses to not know you yourself in the promises of Proverbs 22, verse 6, that if you train a child up in the way they should go in their own, they will not depart from it. No, you're not departing from this. You're coming back. You might not be able to change it right now, but you're not staying there. This path has been laid out for you already. Take your authority as a parent, as a caregiver, and say, no, not on my watch. Saturate your life with the word, the works, and the ways of God. Guys, listen, I'm going to tell you, there's no time to play. The devil is not playing with our children. He is not playing with the indoctrination of their minds, hearts, and their souls. It is time for the church to rise up, to saturate itself, and to say, you're going to get around us, and we're going to get some spirit of God on you. <laughs> okay, listen, here's the thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this for you guys if nobody else wants it. All right. So if they don't want it, you don't get any of it. All right. So, because that's what it's going to take. So, here's the question. Here's the question. Are you all willing to put up a little with a little bit of this so they can get it? Are you willing? Are you willing to put up with a little bit of inconvenience because you got to spend some time in the word? Are you willing to put up with a little bit of, I don't feel comfortable praying for my friend right here in the middle of the store so the next generation gets it strong in their heart? Are you willing to put up with a little bit of coming in on a Sunday morning and throwing your head back and singing so your kids can see you worship and they can get it? Are you willing? Who's ready? Anybody ready? I only have a little bit of water left. All right, I'll start over here. And now it's like a baseball game. All right, which section is going to be the loudest? Which is going to be? And this could be the opposite right now. I was like. All right. All right, here's what I'm going to do. This is, I don't want to make this super spiritual, but I'll make it a little bit spiritual. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you guys. I'm convinced God's up to something. And I'm convinced what he's up to is bringing power back to the whole. This coming fall, we are launching a brand new edition of our church. Piloting this in our hearts for years. We're piloting this. We are literally taking how we do the ministries and we are putting home at the center of it. Now, I'm not talking about we're going to teach lessons and sit from home. No, we are going to equip the home to be the teachers of spiritual formation and we're going to become the church alongside of that to support what's happening in the home. Because home is where it happens. Everything rises out of the home. And if we can empower our homes, guys, we can change the world. So as I do this little thing here, I'm going to be pray- I want to pray for you. Pastor Steve, would you come up here with me? As the spiritual father of this house, I can't promise you won't get wet. But my mat got wet too, so... Praise God, speak over my laptop in Jesus' name. All right, so as we do this little demonstration, this will be fun. I promise it'll dry. You'll be fine. But we're going to pray over you. How many of you here represent a home? Anybody represent a home? How many of you have kids at home? Any kids, kids at home? How many kids? Kids home. All right. So we're just going to pray saturation. You ready to receive it? 
Go ahead, just put your hand, lift your hands up right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I speak saturation over the homes of Coastal Family. That literally today, God, would be a day that we mark as a moment in which we went to a whole new reality of the D6 model of paying attention to what we do with our time and our energy and steeping everything that we do, whether it's sports or work or hanging out, God, all the things that we enjoy in this life. But we put you at the center of all those things. We remain available, so I speak saturation in the name of Jesus over our families. I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, I speak saturation over our families in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, God. Lord, I speak saturation. Let your spirit fall right now, God, in Jesus' name. For the children, God, for the next generation, we speak it right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Your saturation. And especially for these young guys that are so eager. I speak it right now in Jesus' name. Prophetic words, anointings and graces and businesses. Innovations, inventions, world leaders, game changers in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father, and we speak your grace over it. In Jesus' name, Pastor, thank you, Lord.
make sure that by the authority of the believer of Jesus Christ, we stop what started and what has begun in some that need to that have had things put in them, we're not letting them go. Those that are with us, we're going to make sure they go where they need to go. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Let's let these kids graduate. special on you, not just because you're really cute, <laughs> but because you definitely have a passion for the things of God, and I am so excited to watch them grow. It's, it's going to be amazing. I love you. All right, Miss Addison. Darling, what in the world? This girl right here, goodness gracious, she's grown so much. She, it is a miracle she's here on this platform she she likes to pretend like she's shy <laughs> but get her talking goodness she's got a lot inside of her that is amazing so um, Addison I'm so proud of you I've seen you grow and you're gonna work miracles it's gonna be awesome all right Miss Olivia aka Liv <laughs> her name describes her she lives this girl I mean, what an amazing girl. She's got a personality that will make you feel like she's your best friend. Like anyone she's around, you're like, yeah, I, I know her. <laughs> and she loves the things of God. She knows the word, and it is a joy to be around her. Yeah. 
Miss Harvey. Harvey, very sweet spirit, very sweet girl. I am honored to know her because uh, whenever she, obviously you saw, when she worships the Lord, it, it just brings the presence of God. You just want to worship along with her. I mean, she's got an anointing to be in the presence of God. Mr. Jack Gray. Woohoo! Yeah, buddy. Here's another one. Goodness. So proud of you, buddy. This was, so his, his staple answer was, I don't know. I don't know. Two, well, let me tell you about this, Nanny. Let me tell you what I learned. Let me tell you what I read. And we would have, we would always have on our quest nights, we would always have um, a quiet time. We'd play music and let them read the word and write things that, you know, they heard from while they were reading and stuff. And I had to be like, okay, Jack, we're done. We're done. <laughs> we have to come back together and talk together, you know. So he loves to read the word and, like, he likes the weird stuff, too, like Deuteronomy. He's <laughs> like, hold on, I'm reading Leviticus. <laughs> All right, Mr. Noah Hennessy, come on up. Yes, another, another wonderful example of what Quest will do for a student. Like, he's also, it's a miracle you're up here, right? He's like, only have to be up there a few seconds, right? Like, just a few minutes. But no, he's, he's grown, he's, he's learned, he's, he's just been like a part of this group that has made us an awesome team, and I'm so thankful that you, actually you do know that very well. You're a very good servant, and you love to be a part of the team, and I think that's amazing. So proud of you, buddy. So, that is our Quest Kids. Can you give them a big round of applause? And I, I also want to thank uh, three very special people that have helped make this year possible. My mom, Miss Patty, she was like our keeper tracker. She kept us all on track. <laughs> and then we have Mr. Jordan over here who helped lead all the kids. And oh, Miss Holly. Miss Holly. Thank you guys so much. We couldn't have done it without you. All right, well, we're going to, I'm going to let Pastor Tom uh, pray one more time over them, and uh, then Pop will come up and dismiss us. Awesome. Thank you for that. What a privilege. And then I'm going to do something that's tradition for us in our graduation with Quest students every year. I want to do a selfie. Is that okay with you guys? All right. So help us just join us in praying. Father, we thank you for these amazing young leaders that are standing right here on this stage. Lord, we thank you for the future and that you've designed for them. Your word says that before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew our days. You fashioned our steps and you determined our course that we might walk in them. So I pray right now over the future of these Quest students' success in all they put their hand to do under your anointing, your grace, and under your will, God. I speak first to the fourth all over them in Quest Code, that they would be examples to believers in how they live, in their speech, in their conduct, in their faith, and in their purity. But I think that you have uh, a calling and a sign for one of their lives. You speak your blessing upon them, their voice might be a voice of influence in our world, God. That their identity might be completely and totally in you. And that they might discover in greater and greater ways, God, the role they play right here in this body, the supply that they bring to the body here at Coastal Family. I thank you for it, Father. We speak grace over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
rid of the markers. Alright, everybody got their in there. Close. My arm's not that Stand up with us. Will you celebrate these kids with me this morning? Come on.